0: 7 Studios. You are listening to the Blanche J Radio Network. Paragon, Paragon Seven, Seven. 7 Studios. We must be a family, a living in harmony. Music's message loud and clear. Peace of mind, oh so near for you. On the Lance J. Radio Network, I'm continuing our Healthcast series, where we're bringing in individuals from around the country that really understand the the world of of healthcare. We we have clinicians on. We're we're doing a lot of mental health stuff right now with the with the climate in a post-COVID society. So we've had quite a few mental health experts on. But I have I have Anthony Peak on today. And Anthony is just like me. Him and I are cut from the exact same cloth. And it's always good to to talk to someone. He's a he is the the vice president. Of I believe risk adjustment operations and he works for Centene, which is a which is a huge company, a multi-state payer that has all sorts of programs and, and platforms. Um, Anthony and I know a lot of the same people in the industry and have kind of been kind of been friends via LinkedIn and, and via the blogosphere for, for the last five, six years. It's really, really great to have you on the show to come in and talk about your career and, and your leadership style and some of the things that you've done in the industry.
1: Thanks for having me, James. Um, very, uh, very appreciative to be, to be here and, and to tell my story and and my journey in healthcare. Uh, although it didn't take the uh, the linear path that most right. folks have, have taken in, in healthcare, I kind of got into it by accident. But I'm sure we'll cover that in some of the questions that you you'll be asking me here.
0: Sure. You're, well, so you're setting me, that. you're setting me up perfect because that's the first question that that I wanted to ask. You know, risk adjustment, and one of the things that I do on this show, we we try to break down the concept of, of Medicare risk adjustment and star ratings and HEDIS and value based care. We really try to break that down for laymen. So if somebody's driving around 285 in Atlanta listening to to the show, or driving around the Beltway in D.C., uh, which are two affiliates that that we're prominent in, we want to humanize. The executives, people like yourself, so that individuals that consume healthcare can understand your mindset. None of us grew up thinking that we were going to go into risk adjustment, right? Nobody nobody grew up, nobody went to college and said, hey, I'm going to learn the HCC model. I'm going to learn um, how to to work the encounter data processing system. Healthcare in some ways can be sexy, but people always think of the clinical side of healthcare. They don't think about the operational, the nuts and bolts, the actuary, the bids, all of that stuff. How did you get into this side of the industry? Because I know none of us thought that we were going to do this when we were in college. You and I are about the same age. We, we weren't thinking about this while okay. we were in school that we we're going to go into this side of healthcare.
1: Well, well, first of all, I I have to say that I'm a I'm a DC cat myself. So, I am um, born and raised in Washington D.C. in the city, not Maryland, not Virginia, but right. in D.C. Yeah, you you to make so that clear.
0: I'm, You're not PG, You're not from that's PG right, County, not PG. Right. I, right.
1: No, I lived in PG, but I'm a DC boy, right. and my family still lives in D.C. in nice. the inner city. So, um, you know, th- this is not something that uh, again, it's not a career path that I uh, that I, that I took uh, deliberately. Um, it's something by getting into healthcare care um, at the, at a very, very low level uh, within uh, organization and then working my way as I understood the business. and uh, I, honestly, uh, it it takes probably about twelve to sixteen months to 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 fully understand risk adjustment and right. to end, let alone um, probably healthcare care and the different components. Uh, it, you look at it like a cog. it, it really does different pieces are very intricate and it forms to, to basically, um, uh, intersect each other. And so I, I would say that, um, my journey in healthcare can come from like very humble beginnings. Mm. I worked for, um, a, a smaller vendor, um, uh, named Meta Shuren at the time. Now, now they're one of the, the key players. Uh, their n- new name is a, a Novalon. Uh, right. They changed that branding in, in 2013. But I started there in the operational division, and really worked uh, worked my way up within the organization. So, be- becoming a, a thorough ops leader to becoming somebody on the, the patient executive on the client executive side, and then um, getting in my uh, getting um, into product operations for um, for risk adjustment uh, is where I ended my career at a um, and so. Uh, my background, probably about 13, 14 years now in, in, uh, healthcare and in risk adjustment. Um, I decided to go on to the, uh, the payer side again, I'm with Centene organization and we have about, gosh, I want to say 24 million members across Medicare marketplace and, and Medicaid, Medicaid obviously being the larger business line. Um, but I would say, um, I moved over into the payer space only because we saw, at least I saw a trend of payers trying to be more self sufficient with some of the operational processes um, uh, for risk adjustment in any healthcare administrative role. And so, um, since that was the trend, I decided I could take my uh, expertise over to the payer side, um, help uh, with their vision and structuring um, the risk adjustment operations in their teams and strategy that surrounds um, uh, that component of healthcare. Mm.
0: Now you run, Anthony, you run the chart retrieval and coding. Do you run both prospective and retrospective um, strategies or or mostly on the retrospective side of of the business?
1: So I I run two divisions. Um, I run retrospective from a collections perspective. I have a peer that oversees the coding and data integrity. Okay. Um, and then, um, I also run the, uh, member assessment program. Oh, very nice. Very so nice. Two, two very large programs uh, within CENTINE. I would say, um, it, it probably is about 65 to 70% of our overarching risk adjustment business. Yep. Um, and I would say between the 24 million members, um, you know, there's no shortage of, uh, time spent on retrospective and, and prospective activities between yeah. the two.
0: Yeah. it's. um. I would say in this industry and that's why I really wanted to talk to you. I made my bones at Highmark on Retro. I mean that's that's what enabled me to get promoted and get into a vice president role where I was at Blue Cross Blue Shield of Arizona. We were pulling in upwards of a million Retro charts for for a two state plan is is pretty large. That's a lot of Retro. And it I was is. able yeah. I was able to come in immediately and by moving the retrospective collection rate from 71% to 87% that was a huge um, opportunity for highmark and that's that's kind of something that I prided myself on is getting you know, getting as close to ninety percent as possible for for retrospective on MA, and then on heat is getting ninety nine and a half or higher percent. Those were always the two benchmarks that I use with my staff. And, and you know, I when I was younger and dumber, Anthony, I ran my staff into the ground. You know, I had turnover, um, wasn't always as empathetic a leader because you know there's so much pressure to get those charts in. What are some of the things? I don't want you to share your secret sauce um, with with Centene, obviously. Um, because they are competitors out there. But what are some of the things, some of the fundamentals that you've used to build? Because that's such a huge enterprise and that's a lot of charts, that's a lot of vendors, it's a lot of contracting. I'm sure you're getting some of them directly out the EMR. I mean, that's a huge undertaking. What are some of the fundamental principles that you've used to, to just be successful and how you've built your teams and what your strategy is?
1: Well, first of all, um, uh, kudos to you and the career that you've um, kind of like built. I've been watching your career, and it, it has been very successful. I appreciate. Um, that. In terms of uh, what what we have done um, and what I've put in place, is we do look at percentages, but we also look at performance of um, each of one of our vendors. Right. And so I would I would say that um, you know collecting. 4 million charts, um, as an enterprise for Medicare and another, you know, 3 million charts for marketplace, um, has put us, um, you know, in, in, in uh, a different realm now, uh, you know, I've collected about seven, 8 million charts, uh, in between, wow. not just, uh, not just marketplace and Medicare, but also, uh, also the red bees. And so, um, one of the things that we've looked at build, um, strong performance of, of teams is uh, making sure that we have the right, the right vendor partners or collaborators in place um, that's going to help us be successful because I think that we can't um, and I think the strategy that all payers take is that you can't do it alone, uh, not with that many um, not not much inventory. And I think the other th- a piece of it too is having a, 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 a good team that um, that, sur- that you're surrounded by, that understands the the um, uh, understands the risk of adjustment and operations, and also performance management too. I think uh, another key component of, of any operational leader is that those um, those vendor partners that you have in place have to have sol- solid contracts with certain SLSs, uh, service level standards, and agreements in place, so they all understand that um, performance uh, should be optimal with with any of the, the programs whether it be prospective or retrospective those are really some of the key components that that we've um, that we've put in place um, like you um, I, I was a very hard manager earlier on in my career um, but but now I've learned that um, practicing skills of the dip- diplomacy yep um, and then also practicing more soft skills yep and and. Um, practicing servant leadership is one of the things I work through with with my with my direct um, team members as well, and so I would say um, servant leadership is probably the most um, important aspect definitely of, of running a large organization. Um, I've got about fifty um, folks that report to me now, and I don't think that you can get to where you are without the help of of, of all of your your teammates and practicing servant leadership, empathy making sure that um, folks are you, you're looking at equity adjustments for, for DE&I. Um, you're looking at making sure make, people have the right tools in place to ensure success, not just for um, for themselves, but for your department, your organization. Without those key factors, um, you know, any leader, any operational leader won't be um, successful. Yeah, A- absolutely. Um, now. It, yeah, we take that same exact approach on, or at least I do in my leadership styles, but we also have very open forums with our teams too. So I have um, specific newsletters that I that that I write for my team and we engage. We've got leadership workshops. We try to do um, outside, um, you know, events as well as much as we can with the, uh, the budget because we are in the finance department. Um, and so we try to do a lot of team engagement as well. Uh, we, we also try to, um, close the loop, uh, with our staff too, so they can understand why they're doing something just right. so they're more engaged within the process. Um, so I tell all my staff from the lowest level to the highest level, treat whatever process that you have in place as you're the CEO of mm. that process. That's kind of like the best advice that I've given to them, mm. the ownership and accountability, um, Leaders can see through that, and those are the folks that will get um, promoted and yeah. will be um, selected for um, different opportunities within the company.
0: No, that's so. Um,
1: this is a combination of all things to be successful yeah. in a very large operations project.
0: That is that is a phenomenal. Um, some phenomenal nuggets of wisdom. Um, the The concept of servant leadership and the concept of emotional intelligence and then the constant feedback loop with your employees i think those three are so uh, critical because it's it's very high pressure in the risk adjustment realm you're talking about millions and in, in your case you know it's 17 billions billions of dollars that are on the table and you can really run people out of the business and wear people out if you focus on that. You really have to to take people aside and, and really get to know them personally and understand what makes them tick. And that when I when I stopped worrying about the PL, Anthony, and started worrying about my staff and said, I'm gonna put my staff first. Um, if I have someone that's going through a divorce or is going through an issue with their kids or when COVID hit, that's more important than the PL. I'll deal with the executives on the board. That's my responsibility. That's right. But my responsibility to everyone that reports to me is are you okay physically? And mentally, we'll get. There'll be plenty of, of of diabetes codes and COPD codes to get through the Encounter Data System next year. We'll figure it out. Live from the Paragon Seven Studios, you are listening to the One street Radio Network. Paragon, Paragon. Seven.
1: Seven Studios.
0: Yo, this is your boy Lance J, a.k.a. the Paragon of Sports Talk Excellence, a.k.a. the Heisenberg of Broadcast Radio, a.k.a. the Wolf of Wall Street. Listen to me weekdays now at 11 a.m. on WOL 95.9 FM in the DMV, brought to you by our partners at Episource, the nation's leader in healthcare analytics and strategic support for Medicare risk adjustment programs. James Lewis and the chats are cool because everyone's at a different stage of of their life. Sometimes you have some friends that are bachelors and they're looking for something completely different than than your friends that have four kids are looking for. And then you have friends that are going through a divorce, you have friends that are going through health problems. you you pray together, you you comment on what's going on in society together. If you have loved ones that are struggling with their health or struggling financially, those, those chats or forums to, to really to discuss and, and uplift one another. And then, you know, people, you got people, they're still talking about who they had sex with in college back in 1998. There's always that guy in the chat. It's like, yo, you remember when I tapped that? Rampage, the first lieutenant of the Universal Flipmo squad. It's just like, yo, Slim, she's got three kids and, and married a multimillionaire. She's not thinking about you. You are listening to the Lance J
1: Radio Network.